Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Joining us in just a minute will be first-time guest Andrew Kahn. He is our Hoops beat writer from MLive. First, a few of my thoughts to get us going. It might be brutally cold outside, but it is heating up in Big Ten hoops. Tonight, Ohio State rolls into Chrysler, and they are fresh off a big road win against Nebraska. We, on the other hand, went on the road Friday night and took it to IU at Assembly Hall. It was the largest margin of victory for Michigan ever in Bloomington. Tonight, the January portion of the schedule concludes, and what a February this could be for Michigan basketball. I, for one, am really enjoying the season. As I told Andrew during the interview, every week I ask myself this question, how is this team 19-1? and And I don't mean that as a jab at the team, because the offense has been good, but not great. Defense is the reason this team has one loss. What intrigues me is this offense. I don't think we've seen this team hit their stride on offense, which is scary if you're on Michigan's schedule. This offense so often doesn't seem to be in sync for segments of games, but they still win because of defense. What if the offense comes together in February, is more consistent and in sync? That is a scary thought, and that's what excites me about February. It's going to be another fun stretch run, and if history under Coach B is a teacher, the best is yet to come. My guest today agrees with me. He doesn't think this team has peaked yet. Beat writer Andrew Kahn from M Live is up next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. on our game day segment this week for the first time as a gentleman who covers uh, U of M hoops. I'm sure you're all aware of Andrew Kahn from M Live. Andrew, great to have you with us. Mike, thanks for having me. Well, it is uh, the end of the month, very busy time of the year in Big Ten action, college basketball action. Let's talk about uh, what happened Friday night in Bloomington, uh, Andrew. Indiana needed a W in a big way. They are on a skid right now. They were home at assembly, but man, Michigan right out of the gate took it to them, didn't they? They did. They did. I've got, I've got a lot of uh, several friends that, you know, are, are interested in point spreads. Let's put it that way. And they, they reach out to me saying, what's the deal with this number? Why is Michigan only favored by, I think it was like three or four. You know, I don't usually, I just usually say, I don't know. I'd stay away if I were you. That's usually my advice. Um, and then, you know, the game started and you're like, oh, well, geez, yeah, maybe they, maybe they were wrong on this. But I think, you know, that number speaks to what you were saying is that Indiana was desperate for a win. They're still talented. Um, you know, they've got a they've got a freshman in Romeo Langford who many believe will be a lottery pick in the next NBA draft. Uh, they've got a big man inside in Jawan Morgan that um, you know is just a double double machine and, and had, had a big game against Michigan in the previous matchup. Um, but Michigan just just took it to them. I mean, they they hit them in the face early, um, and it just it, it didn't stop. And then when Indiana made its you know inevitable push. Uh, Michigan pushed right back, and, and that's really what John Beeline was most proud of his team for was, you know, knowing that run would come from Indiana. Um, 
and Michigan didn't blink. They hit some some big shots, mostly mostly three pointers by a variety of different players. Um, you know, and then and then defensively, what they did on on Indiana Stars um, was impressive as well. Uh, so yeah, Michigan gets uh, you know gets a big you know a big road win. Any any win in the road on the road is big. Um, you know, and then sort of put the bad taste in their mouth behind them from uh, you know two only one loss, but two games where certainly offensively they didn't look great. When I was watching the game on Friday night, uh, the uh, the crew threw out a stat that sort of blew me away. Uh, all of the years I've been watching Michigan basketball, I've always known, we know, you play at Assembly Hall, it is one tough venue, whether IU is good or mediocre, it's just a tough place to win. But they said that is the largest uh, margin of victory for Michigan ever playing there in Indiana. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that is impressive. I didn't have that in my my uh, game story. That was a nice little tidbit to include. That was that that is impressive. Um, and yeah, it is a tough place. I mean, it was my first visit there. Um, it's quite the climb up to the media seating, <laughs> but that sort of gets you uh, the you know perspective of um, you know it kind of shoots straight up. So fans, you know, they always say fans are right on top of you. I mean. It, it, they kind of are. It's like the exact opposite of like, you know, Michigan Stadium, uh, you know, where there's sort of this bowl effect. It just goes straight up. Um, and there are seats that are close and they are they are loud and they're very you know, passionate about their basketball, as I think, as I think people know who even haven't been there. Um, so, yeah, it was a, it was an environment that, uh, you know, Michigan had to battle um, and they, they did it admirably. I mean, uh, you know, Indiana's uh, a coach had no pro- uh, Archie Miller. You know, said right away, I don't know how you come out like that, uh, speaking of his team, you know, in that environment. So he, he, he understood that it seemed like it should have been a real, um, you know, home crowd, home team advantage. Um, but Michigan negated that right away. Well, you know, uh, they say you need to win at home uh, when you're looking at a conference race, split on the road to stay in the race. And so far, anyway, Michigan 3-1 and one on the road. That's a great start, isn't it? It really is. I mean, this is something that started, you know, it, it, they, they had their, you know, impressive run last year and they, um, you know, they got, they had a very good road record. I'd say even, um, you know, even the year before, um, you know, they, when they started, I think it was four and six in conference play, but then they, you know, they finished so strong, including, you know, getting some, some nice road wins. I mean, I know they won, um, I know they won at Indiana that year because it's been, you know, five or six straight. Um, and then they close with a dominating win at Nebraska. I mean, they, you know, that's kind of been now, I think, part of the culture of this program, you know, and they just sort of added pieces over, over the years. Now it's sort of, you know, the, the whole defensive thing. And um, yeah, but, but winning on the road has certainly been sort of the next piece that that's what you have to do if you want to be, you know, an elite team in the, in, in your conference and, you know, Michigan and, you know, one or two other teams can, you know, stake that claim these last few years. Well, you mentioned, and I believe it was a Saturday morning article in M live, uh, how nice it is to have a lockdown defender in Charles Matthews. And he delivered big time against Romeo Langford, didn't he? He really did. Um, I mean, I, I, I do, you know, I asked them specifically, you know, the advice you'd give, you know, a young player who, whose shots aren't falling, how they could still impact the game because he, he did have a fine offensive game against Indiana, but there have been plenty of games in the past where, where he hasn't, and yet the defense is just always there. And he, he's not really the only guy like that. Certainly Xavier Simpson, I think he, you can say that about. Um, but he doesn't hang his head. Um, and then he's got, you know, certainly the, the physical tools, the athletic gifts, um, you know, to, to be truly elite. But, um you know, he, he doesn't really mention those things when he talks about his, his own, you know, defensive skills. He talks about, you know, effort and want to and, you know, film study and, um, you know, just 
uh, energy level and, and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, his coaches just rave about what, you know, he does um, defensively. And, yeah, you, you saw it on uh, on Friday night. I mean, Langford getting in early foul trouble certainly, um, you know, didn't help Indiana. But when he was out on the floor, uh, Matthews absolutely neutralized him. And if you can if you can do that with this Indiana team right now, that's, that's sort of a, a two-man show with their – you know, with their injuries and, and, and just other issues they've got going on, um, you know, you're, you're going to beat them. Um, and if you can, you know, limit both of them, uh, then you're going to beat them big. Yeah. That's exactly what, what Michigan did. Well, as you said, uh, the coaching staff at Michigan and, and the opposition players and coaching staffs talk about how tough Charles Matthews' defense is. But, you know, I think Michigan fans want to see more on the offensive end. It, it is what it is with him, but he, again, he delivered big time. But do you think from a Michigan fan perspective, that defense of his is an underappreciated piece of his game. Probably, I mean, I think that's probably true of you know just defense in general. People, people like the guys that are that are scoring points. They're not necessarily noticing how many they're you know giving up on the other end. But uh, you know, if you got a couple guys that you know, even if they you know they only get 10, 12 points, but they're limiting their guy by, you know, that much under their average. I mean, you start just doing the math on these things and you can see why they're, you know, 19 and one. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely say he, he's underappreciated because I, I think it does get back to some of his, you know, the shot selection and, and the shooting percentage. Um, you know, it's not, it's not where, you know, he and, and certainly John Beeline would like it to be. I mean, that's, that's no secret. Um, you know, that he believes he's a capable three point shooter. This is Beeline speaking of his player uh, thinks Matthews can, um, you know, knock down outside shots, but you know when he can get to the rim and, and finish, he wants to see him do that. He wants to see him have confidence with that, you know, sort of elbow jumper and and, and not fade away as much when he when he gets into the paint. But defensively, there's really uh, there's really nothing to complain about with him. I know. I I, I read. I think it was in uh, one of your pieces where he looked over uh, at the bench late in the game on Friday night against Indiana and. The reaction from the bench, I don't know if it was Coach Beeline himself, it was like, come on, pick it up, you've got to get more involved, and he really did, though. Yeah, I mean, he had, it was, it was I mean, against Indiana, it was after he got, uh, you know, he took that shot to the back of the head, um, and then he really, really, uh, you know, he went on a little personal 7-0 run scoring, he had a three, he had a couple foul shots, he had a, he had a mid-range, um, he was doing it all. Because, um, uh, yeah, there, there was a little stretch there where Michigan's offense uh, went dormant, um, and yeah, he, he certainly uh, he, he got them going. He's one of the leaders on this team, one of the co-captains, um, and he's having a you know he's having a very good you know final collegiate season. Well, Iggy Brazdakis uh, broke out of his slump on Friday. Granted, it, it was only maybe a, a two or three game slump. One thing you can say about this kid, though, Andrew, is he doesn't stop taking shots. He he keeps on being aggressive, whether it's driving the paint or even popping threes uh, if they're not falling. He has really a tough mental makeup, doesn't he? He absolutely does. I mean, that was evident uh, really as soon as uh, you know he, he stepped foot on campus. Whenever you, you got to meet the kid, whether it was um, you know in, for for me it was in, in Spain, um, but if not, it was you know media day or. or as soon as these games started, it was very clear that he he's built a little differently than um, you know most freshmen, both physically and uh, yeah, his, his mental makeup. Um, he is extremely confident in his abilities, uh, and you know he he takes you know individual matchups personally, um, and he's just uh, he's, he's a very well-rounded player. Um, and you say he keeps shooting. I mean that for the most part has been true, which is why that Wisconsin game was so strange because. Uh, he did go into a bit of a shell. I think he only took five shots in that game. Yeah. Um, which, if it wasn't a season low, it was 
certainly among their their you know close games it was a season low. We might have had you know five or, or four in one of their real blowouts, but um, again got in some foul trouble in that game that that didn't help him. But um, yeah, he bounced back. Minnesota very aggressive, but maybe not as efficient. Um, and then Indiana incredibly uh, efficient. You know, he hits his first three and he was just uh, rolling from there. You sort of saw the old Iggy, which is funny because it's just, again, like you said, it was really just a week of games, you know, a couple of them. It wasn't like, uh, yeah, he was in this major month-long slump. He wouldn't have even called what he was in a slump. Um, and that's part of, I think, what makes him a, a special player. Well, and he's not even been around a year yet. He's a freshman, and we're learning about him. But one thing I think we've learned already is he does not get uptight. Very animated kind of a kid, too, uh, with his, his money signs, etc., etc. Really gets into the game. And like he said, he loves the hate he gets on the road. I mean, he's a character, isn't he, Andrew? He really is. I mean, he's, you know... <laughs> Yes, he's sort of a, a sports writer's dream in that sense. I mean, I, I'm never one that's like, all right, I'm going to, you know, let me, what can I ask him? What, what crazy thing might he say? Um, but, you know, a lot of these things are, many of these things are unprompted. He's, uh, he is a character. He, he reminds me of Mo Wagner in many ways. Um, and, you know, his, his, his response saying he loves being hated was, was in response to the fact that he wears number 13, much like Mo. Um, you know, and he wanted that pressure that, that came with wearing that number when, when he came to Michigan. So, uh, you know, they're both, again, both, you know, players that, that weren't born in the United States, um, you know, good offensive skill sets, um, and just very, uh, you know, they're able to sort of step back. You ask a lot of players, you know, how far can this team go? And it's a question that, you know, if you're on a team in the top 25, like you probably think you can win it all. But most players would just say, we're going to keep trying to improve and, you know, who knows what might happen at the end. He says, I, I think we can win it all. Uh, there's no reason we can't win this whole thing. Uh, so that's just, you know, that's, he, he's, he's honest about these things in a way that's just sort of uh, disarming and, and genuine and um, refreshing. Well, another player who was a uh, big on Friday and he's been big all year is John Teske uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, I think he surprised observers and a lot of writers say he is the straw that stirs the drink, so to speak. Have you been surprised at what he has given the team so far, Andrew, on both ends of the floor? Absolutely. I mean, he's a guy, uh, I put Xavier Simpson in that category, but given that Simpson started last year, um, not as much so. Teske is the guy that, you know, opposing coaches just single out right away, um, you know, as a guy that has just taken great strides and is, is just sort of an, an example of, of the player development that's happening in Michigan. I mean, two years ago, the guy couldn't really get on the floor. He, he didn't redshirt only because, you know, they decided to redshirt, you know, a, another guy in his class, Austin Davis. Um, but, you know, just played a couple minutes here and there when it was absolutely necessary because of foul trouble. Last year, still backing up Mo comes in for spot minutes. You, you saw the defense, you know, that that's something he could do sort of, you know, right away. Um, and now this year with the threes and, and, and the mid range and, um, you know, again, he's not a guy that they throw the ball into regularly. That's just not really Michigan style. Um, but, you know, very uh, efficient offensively. And then defensively, um, you know, we talk about Matthews and we can talk about Simpson and really just their, the team defense. But having a guy like Teske at the back line is just so, so huge. Um, and, you know, I use that word. He is 7'1", 261 pounds. 260 pounds and he and he uses that um he, he is a he's a real you know rim protector he's still not blocking a ton of shots but i think he had uh uh he did have a a few uh 
Um, you know, in the last few games, he's, he's increased that number. But again, it's more about just altering shots. Um, you know, some guys don't, won't even shoot at all. They'll kick out. Um, he is just, he's an unbelievable presence. He moves his feet well in ball screen coverage. That's another thing coaches always point out that, um, you know, they're not going to intentionally switch him onto a point guard, but you know, if it happens for, for a few seconds in a possession, uh, he can hold his own. Um, so he really is, uh, an extremely versatile player. Um, and you know, you've seen it in the game, you know, some of the games where he, where he has foul trouble, Michigan has to, to scramble a bit. They have, you know, they have Isaiah Livers, they have Brandon Johns, um, that they can turn to for spot minutes, but you know, you, you want, uh, you want Teske out there and he hits the floor. I mean, how many seven footers do you see, you know, diving for loose balls? He's done it multiple times this season. So, uh, very impressive uh, player and, you know, another very just humble kid that uh, doesn't like talking about himself and always focused on the next game and, you know, another team first guy. Well, we're getting a lot from him and we we're getting a lot from Xavier Simpson too. He's such a player that I like more and more all of the time. The defensive part, that's obvious. Everyone talks about that uh, and, and everyone talks about his free throw shooting and his three-point shooting. It, it's not great. We know that. But the important thing is he's really become a very good quarterback for this offense, hasn't he? He has. I mean, it's been less about what he can't do and just more about what he can Um, because he can bring bring so much to this team. And you you saw it against Indiana. I mean, he's got – He's got the ball on a string. On a string, he like you said, he's a quarterback. He's seeing everybody else out there. He knows what they're doing, and, and he gets it to him in, in in great spots, uh, which is which is really what your what you want your point guard to do. Uh, would you rather him, you know, be a better outside shooter and certainly the free throw shooting? Yeah, yes, but uh, you know, I mean, geez, he he gives so much defensively. Uh, he gives so much, you know, sharing the ball, uh, setting guys up um, that he really is. Uh, you know, he's, he's playing at just su- such a high level and certainly looking like uh, a strong candidate for, you know, one of the defensive players of the year, you know, the defensive player of the year in, in the Big Ten. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I love what Simpson brings. Uh, again, a guy who doesn't have to, to score, you know, that many points. He, you know, he had the breakout game the second time around against Northwestern, um, but he's had plenty of games where he's only scored, you know, two or four points, but he's dished out double-digit assists. You know, he, he's like Derek Walton. He has this knack for defensive rebounding. Um, he's had several, uh, you know, seven, eight rebound games. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he, his growth has been uh, important for this Michigan team, for sure. And that's the thing with him, Andrew. I think a lot of fans, as, as you said, and I, I think sometimes you would like him to be a better shooter. But, I mean, it is what it is right now. But the reality is, this team doesn't need him to do that to win. No, absolutely. And I may say, I think that's what makes this team so good. You know, you see, you know, their true peak potential when he and John Tester and Dries, like in, in that game against Northwestern. But I, I think the bigger key is that teams, you know, a performance like that, you know, you'd think would, would prevent teams from playing that kind of defense that Northwestern did, which is just daring him to shoot. Um, because if a team does that and he's not hitting them, then it's kind of problematic. Um, but you know, if they're just, uh, respecting the shot, it just opens up so much more for him and his teammates. Um, so yeah, a- absolutely. I think he's, uh, you know, he's just, he's just bringing, you know, so much, uh, to the table for this team and he's, he's sort of, uh, his, his teammates are, are, are taking a cue from him and that, uh, there, there's no one on this team that feels they need to get a certain number of shots, um, you know, every game. And I think that's really part of the, the secret sauce for Michigan this year. Um, you know, we're not, you know, we're not in the locker room, you know, every day. I don't want to try to say like I, 
I truly know, you know, the inner thoughts of every guy on this team. But what I do try to do as a beat writer is, you know, kind of get as close to that truth as I can. And uh, I do feel like this team is, is very connected and they're very uh, unselfish in that, again, guy takes only gets, you know, five shots or maybe he'll get 15 shots. There's not really a lot of complaining, um, you know, one way or the other. With us here on our game day segment this week is Andrew Kahn from M Live, who's a beat writer covering Michigan hoops. You know, Andrew, there are times I watch this team, and this is from the beginning, and I ask myself the same question every time. I'm asking it now. How are they 19-1? and And I come back to the same answer every time. Defense. That is the reason this team has only lost once, isn't it? Well, it absolutely is. I think, you know, these things change uh, you know, by the hours. More games get played, but I think they're up to number two in Ken Palm, which, you know, uh, adjusts for, um, you know, the strength of your opponents and, and defensive efficiency. Um, and, yeah, there's plenty of games this year. I mean, go back to the first two. Uh, the first two games, uh, you know, Norfolk State and Holy Cross, um, you know, they probably beat, Norfolk State anyway, but I'm not sure that they 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 were going to pull away from Holy Cross if it wasn't for you know the way they locked down on uh, on defense in that game. Um, you know, then then there's there's you know plenty of other games, even the games they win by 20, 30 points. Um, it, it all started with defense, turning defense into offense. Um, you know, and then you've got uh, you know some of the other games that were that were tighter uh, than you'd expect, but again, the defense was was pretty much always there. There was that that little spell there towards the end of non-conference um, where, you know, the, the defense sort of took a little bit of a step back starting with that South Carolina game, but uh, you know, another great, uh, you know, performance um, against Indiana, even the Wisconsin game. I mean, you'll, you'll look at some of the factors in that game. You get no points from your leading score. Um, you go, I think it was five for 18 from three. Uh, you don't shoot well from the foul line. Um you, know, you have a, a decent first half from Jordan Poole, and that's about it. And yet, that game really went down to the final minute. You lose by 10, but only because of the you know, circumstances with the intentional foul and things like that. So they were right in it, on the road against a good team without much offense at all. And, and Mike, I think, you're absolutely right. It just it speaks to the defense. Um, you know, something that John Beeline wanted to emphasize. Now, I guess you go back two, three seasons ago, the hiring of a new assistant coach, um, and, you know, and Billy Donlin and, and Luke Yaklich has just sort of uh, you know, taking that to the next level, um, you know, and they've got they've got the personnel to do it. Coaches always say defense goes on the road. It can cover a multitude of offensive sins, especially on an off night. The good thing is it can also let your offense develop. And, you know, something tells me, Andrew, one of the scary things about this team, if you're an opposing coach or if you're scouting this team, I don't think they've reached their offensive potential yet. I have a feeling they're going to be better down this stretch. Do you see that as a possibility? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the 19 and one start has sort of made people forget a lot. A lot of fans forget like what they think of John Beeline, which is that his teams usually get better as the season goes. I mean, I think it was easy for them to, you know, sort of take comfort in that uh, and have that as a you know your security blanket when you know the team started in a. 14 and nine or whatever it was a couple of years ago, or, you know, even last year where, um, you know, coming off that, that the final game that they did lose to Northwestern, you know, they weren't exactly in the hunt for, you know, uh, the number three seed that they ended up getting in the NCAA tournament. So um, yeah, if, if you see that growth, that progression, um, that uh, evolution um, offensively that you, you have seen 
over the last several years with John Beeliner over the course of his career again this year, then, geez, the sky's the limit because we already see what the defense is. We've gotten a taste of, of sort of what they can be offensively. Um, but I absolutely think they, they have not peaked. I think one of the areas that they can improve in, and, and, and Beeline has talked about this, is turning defense into offense. When you're this good at forcing missed shots and this good at defensive rebounding, they're, they're, they're way up there in the country in you know, both those categories. You kind of have to be good in, in transition because you're just, there's just going to be so many opportunities. Um, they're not turning over teams a ton, but they're still you know, above average in, in that regard. Um, so, yeah, they, they have to be better, and that's been a priority for the, for the team, uh, Beeline said recently. Um, so you start, you start doing that a little bit more, um, and then, geez, you don't even have to – you just make life a little bit easier on yourself. You don't have to run, you know, set offense against a, a set defense because, um, you, again, you're getting out and running. So, um, yeah, some of that, some of, uh, you know, just development from, from, you know, some of the players, it's still, you know, as much as uh, – you know, Xavier Simpson and John Teske are household names now for Michigan. They're still, in, in Teske's case, his first year starting. Simpson, you know, a year and a half in. Um, you got a freshman in the starting lineup. Um, so, yeah, I think I think absolutely there, there's room for improvement uh, for this team. I think I think you'll see it, and I think you'll have to see it if they want to, uh, you know, keep pace in the Big Ten because, uh, you know, the schedule, schedule doesn't let up, that's for sure. I've stopped being amazed what a job Coach B does year in, and you're out sort of putting the puzzle together. Uh, we're more used to seeing, as you said, it happen at the end of the season. You lose a few here, you lose a few there in January and February, and it comes together. But this year, it's just been amazing what he's done. And he's showing us all again what a great coach he is. And I, I'm not sure we really appreciate that yet. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't, it's hard to speak for the whole fan base, but. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I, I would think that last year sort of would have sort ha, would have uh, changed that for, for Michigan fans. You, you'd think, you know, winning a second straight Big Ten tournament championship, getting all the way to the national championship, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's some out there that he, he's just got to he's got to win it all, um, or you know, they they want another regular season title or whatever it may be, um, or maybe they just want to see you know better better recruits come here, even though the ones he gets he, he turns into NBA players. Um, so I don't know. I'm not sure what, what you'd want because, you know, I think I don't think anyone could deny the, you know, sort of the off-court stuff has been, uh, you know, exactly what you want. You know, no no players making headlines for the wrong reasons, um, you know, guys graduating um, and, you know, no no scandals in, in a college basketball world that has plenty of them. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I absolutely think, uh, you know, they, they showed it was an interesting conversation I was having with a, another beat writer recently. Um you know, about if you, if you look at John Beeline's record those first, you know, few years, you know, would he survive in sort of today's climate? I mean, he, he got to the NCAA tournament his second year, but, um, you know, two out of the first three, he, he did not. Um, you know, early exits all in those first five or six years before, you know, they made that, that deep run in 2013. You know, you don't, you don't know. So he would have been given, afforded that, uh, uh, you know, that time that, that most coaches do need. But I think, you know, he, large majority of Michigan, of Michigan fans are happy that uh, that he was. Well, Tuesday night, Ohio State visits Chrysler. They're fresh off a big Nebraska win. Do you think the Buckeyes match up pretty well against Michigan? Uh, you know, I think, I think yeah, I think they they match up okay. Um, you know, I don't think Michigan will, will take them lightly. It's a you know, rivalry game. Um, you know, I don't think, uh, I wouldn't circle this as, 
as a loss uh, on their schedule. I mean, certainly any of the, the games at home, this has been something that Michigan, this is one of their, their stated goals was to win all their home games. Um, but yeah, uh, Ohio State certainly, you know, righted the ship with that, with that road win after I think they had lost four or five in a row before that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, nine o'clock start. We'll see, um, you know, what the weather's like as far as, you know, how many fans are in the building, what, what the energy is like, because, you know, it wasn't great in the last home game for, uh, you know, the weather certainly, played a role. Um, but yeah, Ohio state certainly has some, some talented players. I think Chris Holman is a very good coach. He showed that last year. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I, I think Michigan will have to be focused to win, but uh, yeah, I think they, I think they keep pace with their uh, in-state rival, you know, and, and stay, stay on top of, on top of the Big Ten. Well, got to protect home court advantage. And then after Tuesday, we open February on the road at Iowa and then Rutgers. And we know, Life on the road in the Big Ten, it is brutal this year. It is every year, but it, it seems to be particularly brutal this year, Andrew. No, absolutely. Um, you know, Rutgers, Rutgers has picked off a couple teams already, and there, you know, I think what most people would say, you know, towards the towards the bottom of the league, still a, still a program that's rebuilding. Um, but uh, but yeah, they've they've already picked up a, a, a couple of couple of wins, um, you know, in the Big Ten. So um, I don't think any any on the road are, are easy. Certainly, you know, Penn State's looking looking pretty down. You know, you still would expect Michigan to, to win those games, but uh, it's it's tough. But I think Michigan has some some things going for them. The defense, like you said, travels. Um, you know, just sort of a, a veteran team, as much as Beeline doesn't, doesn't believe that. He's still got, you know, a redshirt junior, a, you know, soft, a couple juniors, a couple sophomores, several returning starters from, from a team that you know, made made such a deep run last year. Um, so I think, I think both of those things uh, help them when they go on the road, maybe, maybe more so than other teams. Well, the final question for you, Andrew, uh, every time I have one of the beat writers on, I like to uh, ask him this question in the last couple of weeks. And I know you haven't seen every team yet, especially that team over in East Lansing, but right now, as uh, we near the midway point of conference play, does anyone stand out to you? as the team to beat in the Big Ten? It is a tough one. And again, I, I do, you know, when when you are a beat writer, you are really focused on your team. I like to know Michigan really well. Uh, I know, you know, the rest of the Big Ten pretty well. And see some of these other teams I, I haven't even got a chance to see. But, um, I mean, it's one and one A. But, you know, who, who you say that is, uh, you know, it sort of just depends on, on which day. You know, today you might, you might say it's Michigan's the, the top dog because Michigan State just lost. But, um, you know, Michigan State also, it was a – sort of a I don't you know coaches don't like this term but you know sort of a, a scheduling loss given just how many games they had stacked up in a short period of time um, you know running into a hot Purdue team um, so I think you know given that Michigan State is doing this without you know a very key player in Josh Langford um, and has had you know one or two guys out for for, for other games including you know the, the game against Purdue um, you know that's been even even more impressive uh, I guess a fair question would be, are they going to necessarily be better, you know, when, when they're at full strength is, you know, it's, it's hard to look much better than they've, they've looked, you know, you look at the chemistry, shot distribution, things like that. Um, so I realize I've, you know, probably talked for 30 seconds here and I completely <laughs> dodged the question, but it's uh it's a tough call. I mean, you know, I, I love that they're playing twice. It's kind of interesting that it's, it's so late in the season for both, you know, it's going to be two fully formed or close to it products at, at that point. Um, I don't know, kind of would have been nice to have one like now uh, and then again another one later, but uh, so be it. You know, baby steps. Last year he only got the one regular season matchup. Now, you know, that's been rectified. So uh, 
you know, the fact that they're, they're both <laughs> so late in the season, we'll take it for now. Um, you know, for now, I, I guess I'd say at this point, I'd give the edge to, to the home team in those, in those two matchups. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they go about it, uh, differently, but, uh, both, both elite teams right now, you know, worthy of their, their top 10 ranking in the country. Joining us on our game day segment this week has been beat writer, Andrew Kahn from M live first time on the show. And Andrew, we're heading into, uh, after this week into February, and it's going to be the meat grinder portion of the schedule. So we appreciate you coming on for the first time, and we look forward to getting you back in February and seeing uh, what's happening. Mike, happy to do it. Thanks again. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, Coach Barnes, Rico, and the ladies keep fighting through this season of rebuilding. They lost at home to Michigan State on Sunday, 77-73. Thursday, they stay at home to take on Iowa, then back on the road Sunday against Wisconsin. At this point, an NCAA berth appears to be a dream, but an NIT berth is still possible. They need a strong finish, though. We are 12-9 overall, 3-6 in Big Ten play. Hockey continues their season of struggle. We split a pair with Penn State last week, prevailing at home on Thursday 5-1, then losing over the weekend 5-2 at Madison Square Garden. This week it's on the road for a pair in Madison. Never an easy place to pick up points. We are 9-10-6 overall, 5-6-4 in Big Ten action. As cold as it is in Michigan right now, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, it hasn't been much of a winter so far, but the last week is kind of making up for it. Spring is not far away, though if you're a Michigan softball and baseball fan, that is. Softball opens the season next Friday, February 8th in Florida in the Wilson D. Marini Tournament. Baseball swings into action the next weekend against Binghamton down in Port St. Lucie, so hang in there. I hope to have a Michigan man extra for you in January with Steve Lorenz, but Steve's schedule was a bit crazy uh, with the February signing date coming up, so we'll try and schedule him for our extra in February. Don't forget our free show app is available from the iTunes and Google Play stores. You can also get the show on Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. That will do it for another week. Thanks as always for joining me, and please tell your friends and family about the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!